Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Native college students, especially those who are first in their family, often feel like they're navigating two worlds, one rooted in their culture and traditions, and another built around colonial expectations. Today we'll get their perspectives from Native students who are telling their stories of college life in a new documentary. They give poignant and inspiring portraits of perseverance, confronting obstacles to better themselves and their people. We'll be back right after the news. National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Pueblo of Isleta in New Mexico celebrated Miguel Trujillo Day on Wednesday to honor the Pueblo civil rights leader. The Marine veteran and school teacher fought for Native voting rights in the 1940s after he attempted to register to vote and was refused. The state's constitution held that Indians not taxed could not vote. Trujillo filed a federal lawsuit, which he won on August 3, 1948. The court ruled New Mexico discriminated against Indians by restricting voting on the basis they paid state and federal taxes, but not private property tax on reservations. Trujillo set a precedent for the future of Native voting rights, which the Isleta Pueblo Voters Alliance continues to reflect on today. It's just a beautiful story, and it's just refreshing now at this current day that we've had those leaders in place and that we continue to have these type of Native leaders to amplify the voices of our people. Janice Lucero is a voting rights advocate and community organizer. Native folks and indigenous communities are starting to step up to the table. We're starting to fight for what we know, and that is our land, that is our water, that is our body. And the more that we get out to vote, I feel like we can be those change makers. She says the alliance works on voter registration, voter education, and advocates to get out the Native vote. There has to be a shift. There, there has to be a shift in our in, in how we vote and how we speak up, getting out there, being educated, do the research, folks, find out who you align with, the values. That's so important. Do they align with your values? It's important that we know that those people are advocating for us. We don't want outside people coming in and trying to take over and have their own agenda. Indigenous people have been here for years and we have our own agenda and that's with the land and it's with each other. The Isleta Pueblo Voters Alliance was founded by community members in 2020. The alliance co-hosted Wednesday's event with the Pueblo of Isleta, Pueblo of Isleta Veterans Association and the New Mexico Humanities Council. A new pilot project led by Indigenous support workers in Toronto is targeting mental health. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, the aim is to replace calling 911 for those in need. The Indigenous team is made up of support workers and community resources specialists and is now available in the downtown area through a pilot project. The 211 hotline can be called for virtual and in-person support at any time and was chosen in collaboration with Indigenous language and knowledge keepers. The director of the team is Sage McMahon. We can offer crisis de-escalation, harm reduction supports, traditional supports and medicines, uh, basic life needs like food, water, uh, tents, sleeping bags, um, and then referral and aftercare services. McMahon says the team has received specialized training on suicide intervention, CPR, first aid and drug overdoses. They also have nurses on staff who can provide more medical support. But she adds that the priority is long-term follow-up support. 
our team is Indigenous-led, it's community-led. Uh, we have an advisory committee uh, who we go to, uh, who represent the community. We have folks uh, on the call and on the team who, who represent the community, who have lived experience with mental health related issues, who are Indigenous, uh, and who really can represent the folks that we're responding to on these calls. McMahon says anyone who needs mental health support can use the 211 service. The pilot project is a collaboration between Find Help, which manages 211 lines in Ontario, Two Spirited People of the First Nations, an Indigenous Youth Agency, and a Municipal Community Health Centre. Government sources say approximately 11 people die by suicide in Canada each day. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The Indian Arts and Crafts Board promotes Indian artists of federally recognized tribes through its online source directory. Information on this no-charge opportunity available at doi.gov IACB who support this program. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. If you went to college, you know about pulling all-nighters, cramming for finals, and reading hundreds of pages about a subject you might not find interesting. But you also know the rewards of sticking with something meaningful and making lifelong connections with others in your same situation. If you're a Native student, then you are more likely than many other students to not have Native classmates. There's also a greater statistical likelihood that you are the first person in your family to be where you are. Those are among the factors that weigh into the reality that fewer Native students make it all the way to a diploma. Today we're going to hear some intimate reflections on that educational journey from four students. They're part of a project called Standing in Two Worlds, Native American College Diaries by American Public Media. As always, we welcome comments and questions from our listeners. Give us a call right now to join the discussion. 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us now from North Carolina is Neve Nez. She's a graduate student at the University of North Carolina. She is Hopi and Navajo. Neve, welcome back to Native America Calling. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Neve, you graduated pre-med at the University of Minnesota Rochester in May. Congratulations. Thank you, Ascoli. Thank you. <laughs> well, tell us now, how did you get involved in the Native American College Diaries Project? Um, I think throughout my whole time at college, I always look for opportunities to to tell my story. I did go to a university that was majority white, and I was actually one of the three Native students at my university. So um, I actually was looking at the um, newsletter from the head honcho University of Minnesota, the Twin Cities campus, and I had seen this opportunity, and I just... I know I wanted to share my story, so I just 
emailed Sasha and she got back to me within a few days. And I was actually one of the last people to join the, um, the project. So they had already been starting for a couple months. So I was kind of late to, to the game, but um, it ended, ended up strong, I guess. <laughs> now, you're actually the narrator for the project, and uh, you've also been on Native America Calling before. Nave, do you carry a sense of obligation to talk about the challenges you faced and, and what you've been able to accomplish? Um, definitely, yeah. I think that um, my mom always told us growing up that, you know, you have a voice for a reason, and you know, we're meant to be storytellers, so it's, it's important for us to use our voice. So I always, um, growing up, always wanted to hear other people's stories. I was always a person who asked questions and wanted to know the whys to things. So I figured that I could be that for students like myself, um, you know, answer those questions and be a resource for them. Well, like everyone we're talking to you today, you had moments where you felt very out of place, but you found a path through that with the help of mentors and a system built specifically to help Native students in medicine. Let's hear you talking from the vantage point of finding your calling. You know, my time at UNR has been different than most people. I don't think people understand exactly who I am and where I come from because this is a university centered around future healthcare professions, cultural competency, is super important because not only are you serving people that look like you, but you're serving people that don't look like you. And, you know, healthcare is is a system that was not designed for others to succeed. So, you know, essentially this university is the change for all that. And I think that's why it's so important for the students around me to learn more about who I am, who other people are, who refugees are, who people that are being overlooked are. Neve, as you were sharing your story, you also mentioned that one of the faculty talked about how you will be missed once you graduated, and you were surprised by that. Why was that? Um, yeah, that was actually the chancellor of our university, and I feel like a lot of the time, you know, what you do as a student is just what you're obligated to do, you know, be a part of your university, but I just hearing those words come from her and made me feel like what I was doing was actually impacting people. And it, it just proved that like all the like extra hours I spent at school or the extra involvement I did, or, you know, those vulnerable times where I didn't actually have to speak up, but did were like worth it. Now you chose to go to the university of Minnesota at Rochester, not on a lot of native students there, not a lot of diversity why did you choose to attend college there? Um, actually, I when I first heard about this school, I am very involved with the Lower Sioux Indian community. Um, my uncle married to um, my auntie, and she's from there. So at the time, there were um, a lot of students who were stating that they were going to go to school there. So I had this expectation of, you know, have, knowing people that were going to school there. But um, one of the girls who was actually supposed to be like, I don't know, my friends <laughs> go through the university with me. She actually got into Harvard. So, you know, good for her. I'm really happy she had that opportunity, but I was kind of just stuck with my decision. And at the same time, they also had in-state tuition and out-of-state tuition that were the same um, price. So financially, that was a bigger um, bigger choice for myself. And also they did offer me like a spot on, in their health course. Um, living learning community, which is basically providing a diverse um, 
community for myself. So I was actually a part of this community all three years of my time at UMR. And it was full of students from um, different backgrounds and different financial backgrounds and whatnot. We hear from your uncle in your diary and he says that if you'd stayed on Hopi that it's it's easy to to give up in some ways can you give us some perspective on that comment what does that mean um yeah I think that I for specifically like northern Arizona Hopi Navajo like we're such a tight-knit community that you know a lot of the stuff we do where like you can only really do it if you're home and you kind of get when you get older you get this this role into this, um, into your community. And, you know, it's hard to, to give it up. It's hard to, when you get older, to find a reason to leave, you kind of get stuck into to that place of just, you know, being there for your family and, you know, feeling like if you did leave that you were abandoning that role. So I think that's kind of what he meant. That's kind of how I see it too, as a lot of, um, my family do reside on the reservation and as I see them now, like they all have a sense of a role in that community and within their family and within our family specifically. So I think that's what he meant and kind of how I view that. Neve, in your diary, you also talked about loneliness as being a big part of your college experience and participating in this diary project. Do you think that's a way for you to encourage other native students that are experiencing loneliness too? Um, yeah, definitely. I think that um, when I first started college there, I would remember calling my mom like once a week, almost every week that I was, that I felt like I made the wrong decision, that I felt like I, I wanted to go home. And, you know, she, she always left like the choices up to me. Like she never pressured me to necessarily do anything. Like everything I did was from my own choice. And so like after a while, when I found like Native Americans into medicine and um, the Dakota merged to the Mayo Clinic and found these communities. Um, even though I had to put myself in a vulnerable situation to find those communities, I felt a sense of relief in that. And I think that, you know, as a Native student, it's always scary to ask questions because you don't know what kind of answers you're going to get. And so I think that was the biggest thing I wanted to put across in my story was that, you know, it, it's never... Like you can always ask questions and, you know, that's one of the values is humility and putting yourself in those situations is, is worth it. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned your mother because you talk about her in your diary and uh, how, how your parents encouraged you as children to be outside and your mom made you all run as a, as a family. And you mentioned that as a Hopi person, you run for other people. It's a healing force. And, and you think about who you're running for today or yesterday or tomorrow. And I want to ask you, is running away for you to, to stay in, in, in contact and, and connected to your culture while you're so far away going to school? Yeah, I, I definitely do think so. I think that, you know, it always makes me feel like I'm at home. I know, like, there's, like, different runs that go on. And, like, especially with COVID, a lot of them went virtual. So I was actually able to participate with a lot of the different um, runs that were going on. So being able to, like, connect with my community that way, because that's, like, one thing our wellness program um, hosts a lot of back on Hopi is these um, – community runs and so being able to take a part in that and then also um you know 
with my mom, like we all in our group chat, we always send pictures back and forth about like we're going on a run. Like, how was your Jew run? So it's always kind of nice <laughs> to have that that sense of um, like something to tie me back to my my home and whatnot. Neve, so often uh, as young Native people and even older Native people like myself, that that ultimate question is, do I leave home to go away for school or for a job or do I stay home? And, and I want to ask you, Neve, do you recommend people leaving home to further their goals? I think that it should be normalized that we, you know, support one's decision if they want to do it, but also like not discouraging them the fact that they won't come home because I feel like that's a lot of the things I heard when I left was that I wasn't going to come home um but like in the end like my intention is to return back to Arizona and um you know be a part of my community and help my community as well like that that's something I want to do and I think that the big thing is that like if you want to if you feel like you need to go away and um, learn more about yourself. Like my sister, she's actually in Colorado right now, and she is working on her graduate program as well. She just graduated with me um, this past spring. So we're both kind of finding ourselves and also meeting other people and learning. But I know in one of the other stories, I think it's Camille's story, that, you know, like being able to take that education from other people's um, learning and, you know, other people's things and you know, especially if it's a college and taking that, that education and bringing it back to support your own community. is. Mm -hmm. We're speaking with Neve Nez. She's a grad student at University of North Carolina. We're going to be right back after a short break. The new movie Prey is not just another space alien invasion story. The newest version of the Predator franchise has a largely native cast and a native producer, and it's set 300 years in the past. We'll hear from the stars of the film and talk about the intersection of sci-fi and authentic representation. That's on the next Native America Calling. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strong Hearts Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Strong Hearts Native Helpline. Thanks for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Today we're talking with Native college students about their experiences. They kept audio diaries detailing some of their challenges and joys as they happened. Those stories are compiled in a documentary titled Standing in Two Worlds by America Public Media. There's a link to the documentary on our webpage, NativeAmericaCalling.com. And if you have something to add about the college experience and the challenges facing Native students, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. Or maybe you'd like to ask one of our guests a question. Right now, we're speaking with Neve Nez. She's a graduate student at UNC Chapel Hill in North Carolina. And again, that number is 1-800-996-2848. Neve, we had to take a quick break there. I'm sorry to kind of cut you off mid-sentence, but, but what are you studying at, at UNC? Um, I'm studying exercise physiology. Um, it's part of the exercise and sports science program at UNC Chapel Hill. And your plan is to go back to Arizona with that degree when you're finished? Yeah, my 
end career goal is to be an orthopedic surgeon in sports medicine, and I'd like to eventually own my own practice to support all Native athletes around the nation. So I solely want to be based out of Arizona, and um, that's kind of why I moved to North Carolina, because I felt like it was important for me to be, like, competent of all Native cultures. And, um, you know, I spent my time in Minnesota. I spent my time in Arizona. So now I'm around the east and south side of the United States to kind of further understand those tribal um, nations as well. That's a really, really interesting perspective to, to go to school at these different parts of the country and meeting all of these different Native people from different nations. So I applaud all of your success, Neve, and best of luck to you going forward. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Joining us now from Minneapolis, Minnesota is Ruben Quito Stately. He's a graduate from Augsburg University. He's a Red Lake Nation citizen and Santee Sioux. Ruben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to congratulate you on your degree, too. You just graduated this May. Yeah, I did, and it was uh, so hard. I had, I had a really hard time during the pandemic, but um, I'm really glad I've seen it through. And uh, it all worked out. What did you study at Augsburg? I studied American Indian Studies. American Indian Studies. Well, I listened to your diary, and I, I really enjoyed your story. And um, you had a moment where your educational path became clear. Did your friends and family uh, have such solid goals for you at that at that age? Um my parents always told me that I was going to go to college and I talk about that in the diaries. Uh, there was a time that the people that were advising me were saying, Oh, you're a, you know, you can communicate with people. Well, you should do communications. And then uh, other people, I have um, family members that have gone into education. So they said, Hey, that comes to you, you know, in whatever you, you should major in education. And I really tried to double major in those two, my first two years. And I did not enjoy myself when I was double majoring, and I didn't enjoy myself when I was studying outside of American Indian Studies. So I had to tell the people that were mentoring me, I said, I know why I came here. Like, I came for American Indian Studies. And um, what that was to me is that I had all these, you know, when I was getting taught in school, I feel like there was all these missing pieces to me understanding our our people, like, I just mean, like, our people, um, our Turtle Island people, you know, our Native people, I didn't understand why we were in the places we were today and how we got here, you know, so I wanted to understand a lot of things that um, other classes and other courses coursework has missing, and so I wanted to find some truth, find some truth for me, and then bring it back to my people, so that was always my goal, and so finally, two years in my junior year, I told everyone, I said, stop mentoring me to do anything else. And so I got really close with uh, Eric Buffalohead, the director of uh, the uh, American Indian Studies program at Augsburg. And uh, him and I, him and I, uh, yeah, we have a really good relationship. I interviewed him during my diaries, but yeah. So, so then finally it all narrowed to um, what I really came to college for. Well, Ruben, let's hear some of what you have to say about your education at Augsburg University in Minneapolis. Uh, you lead into this talking about your work at the Learning Center and that you can be a model for the kids there when it comes to the importance of education. And if you're in high school and you've only experienced high school, it's terrible. You know, you have like seven classes a day. You're expected to be good at seven things at the same time. Like, come on, 
young people trying to go to college, I always tell them, you got like four classes, dude, and you're telling them what you want to learn. You're telling them what time of day you want to learn it, and it's way better. So I, I think that it's an act of resistance because in the end, whether we like it or not, this is a capitalist system, and the best way that we can support our people and ourselves and our families is to make money. And then also that degree, you could bring it back to your people and get a job for your tribe. Or, you know, maybe you can go to a non-native space and you can help create native space in somewhere new. To me, it's an act of resistance because you're able to indigenize new space or you strengthen the space that your people are already in. Ruben, another thing you say in your diary is to you, education is about truth-seeking. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so my for my degree and my personal thing, that's how I look at um, my uh, path through college. Um, for ed- other people, it'll be different. And for other people, uh, young Native students aspiring to go to college right now, they might have this aspiration and uh, their goal of what they want to achieve, what they want to accomplish, like that young caller who just called. I thought that that was really great. Those are really cool dreams and aspirations um, for them. And they're, they're uh, also they're making a plan with it, which is, uh, you know, dreams are not just dreams once you have a plan. Like then, it, then you know, it's go time and you can make it happen. So uh, that's, that's kind of like what I was speaking to. One of the really, <clears throat> for me, I think that, this, the, the thing that's left out of the conversation when we tell the young Native people, you know, if they want to go to college or not, this type of school they've experienced before college has always been somebody telling you what to do, telling you what to study, telling you what to read, telling you what to, you know. So for a Native student who has no other understanding of, uh, like, with the education that they've only had, only ever had, they don't understand that college is you saying what you're going to study, you saying what you're going to read, and when you're going to do it. And that whole new um, version and experience for a young Native learner, it's, it's much better. Um, that, that's how my perspective was. So that's what I was sharing uh, when I shared that thought. Let's go to the phones. We have Jill in Eagle Butte, South Dakota, listening on KIPI. Jill, thanks for calling. I just want to ask if they felt like their high school academic career prepared them for their college experience. And if it did, explain how it did. And if it didn't, how did they bridge the gap once they got to college? And also congratulate all of them on their journey. Well, Ruben, that's Jill calling in from South Dakota and asking how well high school prepared you for, for college. Um, I might be an outlier because I went to a private school. I had a private education and uh, that was through a scholarship here in the cities at a private school. Um, but I was very well prepared for college. The things that I saw from my peers, my relatives, my I went to my first year, my roommate was my cousin and he went to um, like Brooklyn Center, uh, a school here in Minneapolis. But uh, what I saw from my peers is when they weren't technologically savvy because you have to do presentations and then like if you if you haven't worked a lot with a computer that's where I saw my peers you know uh, have to work a lot more with the computer and get comfortable with it and then uh, in high school I had to organize my paperwork and my folders online so I just used uh, Google I got really comfortable with like Google stuff Google Docs and uh, 
organizing my files and stuff. So if you've never had to organize things like that or you never practiced that in high school, that's what I saw my peers have to, like, learn how to do really quickly um, as the ball got rolling first semester our freshman year. Um, so those things, you know, and then also other than that, I, I feel like I was prepared. Um, I feel like I was prepared pretty adequately, but I can't speak for everybody. Well, let's ask Neve to comment as well. Neve, how do you feel uh, your high school did in terms of preparing you for college? Um, I think it did really good. I grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona, so I went to school at Flagstaff High School, which, if you know Flagstaff, it's a border town, so it's pretty well populated with um, Native students as well. And I actually took advantage of the caveat program at my high school, which allowed me to um, obtain a two certificates from a community college by the time I graduated high school. So um, my sister, she also did that as well, because she really laid the path for me. And so I don't think I would have taken advantage of those opportunities if I didn't have that kind of, um, I guess, guidance. And um, we actually have a Native American counselor at my high school, and he helped a lot, um, and he played a tremendous role in my education. And even now, like, I know my younger brother goes to high school there, and he is kind of getting that same guidance. Um, but I, I definitely do think it took a lot of um, that I took a lot of that guidance from my older sister when it came to my high school education, and um, which allowed me to be super prepared for um, college. But there was differences in college that I didn't think I would face um, as far as like the workload and being a pre-med student that I think I could have been a little bit more prepared on, but um, it took some time for me to get used to. Ruben, another interesting thing about you, in addition to being a student, you've got a music career and uh, you've got an album with Native Youth Out. It's about wellness and other issues facing Native people. Tell us about it. Yeah, that's actually um, a project in the making that's going to take over this whole year for me. I was hired um, by the Native American Community Clinic through a program. Uh, they, they, it's a program for alcohol, tobacco, and other drug prevention. So I actually work with young Native men. That's part of my uh, job and, and title there. Um, but I get to be a professional musician this year, which is really cool. Uh, I get paid to make music and make it with young people. But um that's something that I'm really excited about, and it's in its really early stages right now, but by the end of this year, it'll be done. Well, Ruben, I wish you a lot of success on, on that, those music projects and, of course, your education, everything else, everything else you have going on. Appreciate you so much sharing all of that background and participating in this project. It, it just sounds so, so impactful, sharing all this information, these experiences in the Native American College Diaries project. Let's hear from another student that shared in their diary. Joining us now from Hudson, Wisconsin, is Archie Yellow. He is Fond du Lac and a, a tribal community college student there at Fond du Lac Tribal College. And uh, he's a member of Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. Archie, welcome to the show. Uh, who's this? I mean, Archie. How's it going? I'm doing well, Archie. Just excited to talk to you. And Archie, unlike our other guests, you are a returning student. What inspired you to go back to school? Uh, shoot, I just always thought like schooling was like the key to like you know saying getting out this like struggle. Well, your journey is really inspiring, Archie. You settled in with with kind of a rough crowd there in the Twin Cities, and you had some challenges in your way. 
challenges that could have defeated a lot of people, but you, you rolled in community college, didn't work out. And, and then uh, you went back to school and uh, there was a class apparently that really kind of hit home to you and, and really made you think about your life and where you needed to be. Tell us about that class and, and why was it so impactful for you? Well, cause it was just like so truthful. Like it, uh, it really like, you know what I'm saying? Like what they're saying was like what I was like experiencing talking about like how uh, I didn't have a stable life or a stable home or just stable anything. And you needed all these like foundations just to, you know what I'm saying, even get to, you know what I'm saying, get to that level of going to school. And I saw it, you know what I'm saying? I saw these kids, like, you know what I'm saying? They were all set and they had notebooks and they had pencils and pens and, you know, they were all ready to study. And um, I just saw like where I wasn't like prepared at all, and, you know, and I saw like what, uh, where I needed to be and what happened. Like, you know, mm-hmm. where I wasn't at. Well, apparently it was, a, it was a college readiness course, and it really stressed to you the importance of, of just having that stable life, and that's kind of the foundation for, for college success and life success as well. And Archie, let's hear more about your story. Here's a clip of you talking about your life and what it was like growing up in Minneapolis. And as you say, it was not a, a very promising upbringing. Me and my brothers, we all used to be, like, in this huge Native gang probably like something everyone's heard of native mob it's like huge native gang in the cities all over minnesota getting fast money and then like just living a fast life that that was like the goals and the lifestyle i'm one of the blessed lucky few that even were able to escape anything like that i had a lot of homeboys that didn't even make it to 18 you know i thought i was gonna be in prison or just, you know, stuck in this loop of gangbanging, living that life. I thought that was going to be it. But something always told me that there was more. So my story, I want y'all to know, is like of me getting my life together for me and my family. And it happened. It worked. It really happened. Archie, that's a, a really powerful, powerful testimony there. And, and given your situation, your surroundings, how do you think it was that you were able to hold on to that ember of determination for something more meaningful? Oh, shoot. I don't know. It's uh, it's always tough to think of that because, you know, I lived and grew up with, like, a bunch of, like, homeboys that had promising futures. And it's always tough to think, like, you know, saying, like, why didn't they go? And, you know, saying, why am I here? But, uh... I, don't, I just always had that urge. Like, I always felt like I had the spirit watching over my grand, my auntie. Um, and I'm, I'm the oldest in my family, so, you know, you always, like, as a native, you always, like, I had to watch my younger brothers and little sisters. Um, so I always just had that importance of, like, you know, saying I feel like I got to, like, you know, saying guide these guys. Archie, one of the other things you say in your diary that I found really, really inspiring is you say that you want to be the old, wise native and be a role model for other guys who've struggled. Archie, when will you know when you've reached that goal? Oh, man. <laughs> I know I'm a long way from it, you know. This is just the start. Um, I just started learning language maybe not even a year ago, so they say it takes like a year before, you know, you can even speak your first word, you know, like as a baby and stuff. So I'm still not even like crawling in into this language. Um, but I'm at it like every day, like even though it's summertime, like I got like, all these great things that uh, really helped me. 
I remember like a coworker told me like you picked like the perfect time to start learning the language because uh, all these great uh, resources are here now. So I just really feel like you know saying it was just like meant because like I I chose the right time to go. It was just speaking to me. We're speaking right now with Archie Yellow, and he's a college student participated in the Native American College Diaries Project. We're also speaking with Neve Nez and Ruben Stately, and we have one more college student on our show, and she'll be coming up after break. Her name is Camille Lehulu Slagle, and she's a student at Stanford. Folks, if you want to call, if you've got a question for a, or a comment or anything to say, give a shout-out to one of our students today, 1-800-996-2848. That's our number, 1-800-99-NATIVE. Give us a call. We'll be right back after this second break. Support by the Institute of American Indian Arts, the birthplace of contemporary Indigenous American art, and the educational home for esteemed and innovative artists, writers, filmmakers, performers, and leaders, making history since 1962. Accredited by the Higher Learning Commission, IAIA offers undergraduate degrees, graduate degrees, and certificates. Info on IAIA's 60th and the IAIA Museum of Contemporary Native Arts 50th anniversaries at iaia.edu. This is Native America Calling. We're glad to have you along. I'm Sean Spruce. What do you remember about your college days? I remember writing papers on a typewriter, standing in line for hours to register for classes, and hanging out with a lot of good people at the Native American Studies Department at the University of New Mexico. If you're a current student, tell us what college life is like today in 2022. We're talking with Native college students this hour. Call in to add your voice, 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us now from Hilo, Hawaii, is Camille Lehulu Slagle. She's a Stanford University student. She's Native Hawaiian. Camille, welcome to Native America Calling. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely, Camille. And I listen to your diary like everyone else is on the show today. And what comes across loud and clear is that you are connected to Hawaii and you want to forge a path that keeps you on the island. But in order to do that, you had to leave. Tell us about that decision. Yeah, so for me, I think growing up, I went to an all-Native Hawaiian school. So from kindergarten to my senior year, like I grew up in like a space where every single student, like, you know, thought like me, had the same cultural upbringing as me. And it was really nice. And I'm really glad that I had that opportunity. But I think I always knew that, I just wanted to be able to leave one day for college. My school kind of produces like the stereotype of that when you graduate from there, you either go on to like become a flight attendant or a police officer or a firefighter. And those are great, but I just knew those career paths weren't for me. And I think along with the fact that um, my um, school was just recently part of the federal Indian school boarding, like the, the boarding report, like seeing that we were a boarding school. And along with the fact that I think that there's like this stereotype in Hawaii that when people ask where you graduate, from they don't mean your college they mean your high school so I think all of those just kind of like weighed down on me a little bit for me to like know that I had to like leave in order for me to be able to come back and like help my own people and try to change those stereotypes one day. Camille let's listen to a clip from your segment this is after you hear the big news that you got accepted into a program where Stanford lets you do a research project in Hawaii and it's going to be a big deciding factor in your career. It's my last day on the island for spring break. It's 
so what I'm doing, I'm just kind of thinking about my schedule for this upcoming quarter and what I'm going to do to start preparing for my study abroad, because I know that's going to be very important. It, the study abroad is the Wrigley program, the one where I go back to the Big Island and Kauai. So that's super major for me. I'm super excited because I know that's where I'll be able to really hone in on a research project and figure out if this is something that I want to do for the rest of my life, especially considering the fact that I want to come home and work in Hawaii, but there are not mm -hmm. just a lot of big jobs and opportunities for people in maybe the fields of um, chemistry or geology besides these huge federal jobs like the national parks which are obviously so specific and very few job openings a year if that so because Hawaii is so small there's really not this opportunity for a lot of other companies and opportunities like there would be on um, the continent I want to be able to find something I love while still being able to afford to live in the place that I love at the exact same time. Well, Camille, can you give us an update on where you are now and, and how your educational and career goals are progressing? Yeah, so I'm from Oahu originally, but currently I am in Hilo, Hawaii, which is on the island of the Big Island. So I was fortunate enough to get an internship this summer down at Kilauea um, Volcano in the National Park. So I'm working with the USGS this summer to help collect the um, gas samples that are coming out of the volcano so we can track its progress. So I'm super excited and super fortunate that I was able to have this opportunity because I know that this opportunity is setting me up for this um, upcoming um, study abroad I'm doing in the fall program as well. So this research is helping me to, um, you know, further my knowledge and help me come up with more research ideas and projects that I can do this fall. So I'm super happy and just super fortunate and lucky that all of this was able to come together for me. Well, it sounds really, really exciting and just wish you a lot of luck on, on this project and everything else you have going on with school. And Camille, one of the most poignant moments in your diary is, is you make this statement. You say that um, you encourage Native students to think of college as a way to steal knowledge and resources from institutions of higher learning. And Camille, that's kind of radical. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so I think it's super important because obviously all of these Western institutions, all of these huge like behemoth colleges and universities, they were not created with Native students in mind. They were essentially created to, you know, the typical boarding school saying to erase the Native, eradicate us. So the fact that we are still here and we are still standing and still attending these universities means that they have failed at that goal to erase us from their history books. So I encourage me my peers, anybody who are going to these universities to take advantage of that and use as much of the money and time and resources that that university has to offer. Well, one of the, the people that you interview is another Pacific Islander student, and, and he mentions uh, he's a computer, computer person. He talks about STEM and how so many STEM industries and, and so many STEM careers are really primarily motivated by financial gain and, and self-serving interests and, and how that's a challenge to balance as a Pacific Islander and as a native person. And can you talk a little bit about that, how you balance those, those competing interests as a student with, with a vision that extends beyond just financial gain? Yeah, I think it's definitely hard growing up in a culture where, you know, 
financial means, motive, and opportunity are not at the forefront of your perspective and your vision. So my, me, just being a Pacific Islander, I was raised in this very like land-centered, family-centered, family-oriented um, kind of perspective or mindset, which is that really this conflicting viewpoint with the Western ideals of going out and being selfish and making money and basically putting money at the forefront of everything you do. So it's been really interesting and hard to try and balance knowing that what I want to do, which is eventually come back to the land or even my friend using computer science as a way to help our people, but still keeping in mind that we are living in this Western capitalist society and we need to be able to, in order to do what we want to do, we have to make money to, in order to sustain ourselves and our people at the exact same time. So I think it's been really interesting trying to find this balance between doing what we love, but also trying to conform sadly, in a way that Western society is putting all of these norms and constrictions on us as well. And I know I and my friend, I know we are both still trying to figure out that balance. I think native, native people, college people, native professionals have been struggling with this issue for a long time. And I applaud you and all of your classmates for, for taking the torch and taking it to the next level like you're doing. We're speaking with Camille Lehulu-Slagel. She's at Stanford. We've also got on the show today Archie Yellow. He's a student at Fond du Lac Tribal and Community College. We have Ruben Stately. He is just recently graduated from Augsburg University in Minnesota. And we have Neve Nish. She's a graduate student at the University of North Carolina. So if anybody has any questions or comments for any of our guests today, you want to give them a shout out, what are you waiting for? 1-800-996-2848. Let's learn more about their college experiences and, and what they're going through. And Camille, uh, you're big into social media. Use TikTok to to help share your messages and your words. Um, how does that work for you? Is it effective? I really think it's effective. To me, something that's effective is that if I can even change just one person's mindset about something, then I think that I've succeeded in that. So for me, I originally just started using TikTok as a way to try and cope throughout the pandemic when I noticed a lot of my classmates were traveling to Hawaii in a time where Pacific Islanders were like the number one ethnic group being most affected by the virus. So I started using TikTok as a way to educate people on why your um, Hawaiian vacation is not the best, why it's ineffective, why we are not, why Hawaiians and people are not benefiting from your vacation. So I first started using TikTok as like that platform to try and get my words and thoughts out there. And then it eventually just kind of grew into me just educating people on Pacific Islander issues and culture in general, because that is something that is very obviously not well taught across the U.S. And do you get a lot of support from your friends and family there in Hawaii? I definitely do. Like my friends think it's super funny whenever we go out whenever we're like out in public well there's always at least like one person who comes up to me is like oh my god you're the girl from tiktok you know like and they're like so <laughs> thankful for everything that i've done and like they're like thank you for just like spreading this message out there so like every time i like get like get that like kind of like response it always makes me feel like super happy and like like i'm doing something right i guess <laughs> <laughs> well let's go back to to ruben and ruben another moment in your diary that I really connected with. You talk about how one of the challenges you, you met when you went to school is, is the fact that there's only one teacher in the room, and yet uh, you describe your best teachers as being family members. And how do you balance that between your family members as teachers and, and having to listen to one voice in a classroom sometimes? Yeah, so I was taught 
so I guess I'm informed by my culture as a Dakota that things are when you're learning, the learning can come from anyone. And, you know, so that's why uh, I would make this example. You know, uh, I worked with kindergartners and first graders and I was reading a book to them. And uh, in the, in the story, it's all in Dakota. And this little girl, she asked me, she's like, so they're in a car and she says, how did our ancestors have a word for a car if they never had one? And they're in first grade and kindergarten. And I was like, that's so funny. Like, uh, you're right. We had to make one up, you know? And then, so like, then they kept doing it about everything. So it was like the food, like they're eating pizza and they're like, did we make that word up? And it's like, yeah, we did. And so it's so funny that they, they all say that, or just when you're working with kids, they just, you know, they say things in their little perspective. Uh, we take things for granted as adults and they they see things for the first time and they talk about it and it's like it just will um i don't know light you up and make you feel like oh wow like this beautiful little perspective from this child just totally made something like flip something on its head so that's how i feel like we all know that we learn from these like you can learn from the eldest in the room you can learn from the youngest in the room uh that's what i've taught at home and then when i'd go to school uh it was always that the teacher is is the one that's uh, going to say what's right. And and what happens then is when a Native student hears about themselves, we only aren't ever hear about ourselves when it's uh, uninformed or a misinformed idea. And so that means that the Native student is supposed to wear the shame because the teacher is always right, even when the teacher is not right. And the Native student is the one that knows that the teacher is not right when those scenarios come. Uh, when they talk about like our issues and uh, things like that. So I talk about a perspective or, or excuse me, I talk about a situation in my classroom in seventh grade uh, in my diary. But yeah, so that was always something that uh, rubbed me the wrong way. And that's something that I was hoping to seek and find out, uh, find was when I studied American Indian studies, I had native uh, professors and things like that. So I wanted to get away from those, feelings I had when I went to college. Well, Ruben, you just shared that experience you had in seventh grade when you actually confronted a, a teacher, you were studying the Indian Removal Act, and, and the teacher was very strongly opinionated in terms of how that topic needed to be taught. And And what happened when you confronted that teacher? Yeah, well, I confronted my teacher, and I just, I remember saying, uh, I don't think you should, because they talked. They were talking about the native perspective, and I said, I don't think you should teach the native perspective. And they told me in front of the classroom, I have a master's degree in history, and I responded with, "Well, I know that white men, no, no native person wrote them books that you studied with and got your major in." So I just said, "I still don't. Those aren't informed opinions to me." And so she sent me out in the hall, and I was hoping she'd call my mom because. My mom, she works in Indian education, <laughs> and uh, she, she worked in edu Indian education for uh, 20 years. Uh, still, she does some other stuff, but I was just like, girl, I hope you call my mom. And um, she never did, but she just told me, don't say that. Don't, like, talk to me like that in front of the classroom, blah, blah, blah. But um, that shame, she was going to make me wear that shame, that she's going to know more about our perspective just because she read books. And that's something that... I wanted to tell her, no, I'm not going to wear that. And so for the moment I made her wear it, uh, that's what I talked about in the diaries. 
to be like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that on. And, and uh, she didn't, she didn't like it when I flipped the scenario. Yeah. I'll bet she didn't like it at all. And I, I, I just really have to applaud you being a seventh grader in, and having the chutzpah for lack of a better term to, to confront a teacher like that and, and say what, what needs to be said. So really appreciate that. Listeners, you can listen to the diaries. Um, there's a link on our website, or you can go to the American Indian uh, Diaries Project uh, at apmreports.org. That's the way that you can all listen to these diaries. And it's been a wonderful conversation today, getting to know these four inspiring Native students and everything that they're going through as college students and, and with what their goals are for the future. Really, really interesting, really fun conversations indeed. And I want to com give Camille the last word. Camille, we've just got about a minute before we've got to wrap up. But when we listen to, to Ruben and, and all of you talk, it's clear that Native students can spend a lot of time and effort advocating for your needs and concerns. And I know it's important work, but I worry that it can be a drag on your coursework. So what can we do as Native people to support all of you folks out there going to school and having to fight these additional battles in addition to just doing well in your classes? I think just validation, if anything, and support is going to be the most important things when it comes to that, because there's nothing any of us can do as individuals to change the system, but just knowing that we have the support from our family and friends and making sure that we uh, encouraging us into telling us that we are doing the right thing means the world. And it makes a world of a difference, both mentally and Obviously, that will translate into schoolwork and um, health as well. We're going to have to wrap up the show now. Let's give one more shout out to our guests, Nevea, Ruben, Camille, Archie. Appreciate y'all joining us, sharing experiences from your higher education journeys. Best of luck to you all, and please keep inspiring us. We're back again tomorrow talking about films, specifically the new movie Prey, the latest in the Predator franchise with a largely Native cast. One of our guests calls it the best Predator movie ever. I'm Sean Spruce. You've been listening to Native America Calling. Support by the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian, presenting Ancestors Know Who We Are, a new online exhibition that features works by six contemporary black indigenous women artists. Joelle Joyner, Paige Pettibon, Moira Pernambuco, Monica Rickert-Bolter, Stormy Weber, and Rodslin Brown, addressing race, gender, multiracial identity, and intergenerational knowledge. More at AmericanIndian.si.edu. Changachitanakahakatunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitutunukachikaitut